Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yesterday on Weekend Edition, the National Public Radio Saturday News Program, the journalist Scott Simon interviewed the wife and widow of a New York City firefighter who died while helping to evacuate the World Trade Center on September 11, 2001, 20 years ago this week. This woman told the story of her late husband, a tale of courage and sacrifice in the face of unspeakable horror. And she told the story of her family's life after the events of that day, a tale, like so many others, of grief and loss and denial and anger. Near the end of the interview, she described the last conversation she had with her husband the night before he went in for his morning shift at the firehouse. Scott Simon was audibly moved. And with voices choked in grief, this widow and this journalist cried together on live radio. Simon's voice breaking, he said to her, I can't prove it, but my family and I believe in a world where you will see each other again. This statement struck me as one of profound faith. I can't prove it but my family and I believe in a world where one day you will meet again. Staring into the depths of the grave, this journalist had the courage and the faith to say to a grieving spouse, I can't prove it, but I believe that you will meet again. And out of the depths, she responded with her own belief that they will, and that she can wait for nothing more. Jesus tells his disciples that before long he must undergo great suffering, and be rejected, and be killed, and after three days rise again. But his disciples will hear none of it. What do you mean you'll suffer and be killed? Peter takes Jesus aside and rebukes him. You can't die, Jesus. You're our teacher and our Lord. But when they protest, Jesus lashes out at Peter and the others. Get behind me, Satan, he says to him. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. 
Peter and the others are called Satan for trying to talk Jesus out of this nonsense that he will die. Peter and the others are called Satan for denying the difficult truth that Jesus is trying to tell them. They can't take it. It's just too much to consider that their teacher, the one Peter has just confessed to be the Messiah, that their teacher will be taken away from them, that he will suffer and die. You're setting your mind not on divine things, Jesus says, but on human things. It turns out that for Jesus, divine things look just a little different than what his disciples had imagined. Suffering and death. For Jesus, those will be divine things. Things like survival and self-preservation, love of life itself, those things turn out, according to Jesus, to be human things. For Jesus, those who want to save their life will lose it, but those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. A cross sacrifice. Those things turn out to be divine things. It's ironic. It's a paradox. This has got to be one of the hardest teachings of Jesus, and it cuts to the core of what the gospel is all about. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. It turns out that the life of discipleship, the life of faith, isn't a party from beginning to end. It turns out that it isn't even a good feeling or an emotional revival or even a sense of deep and abiding peace. Those things can be part of a life of faith, and they are for sure. But what is much more fundamental, what is essential, is a recognition that life is not as it should be, that there is a cross, and that we will all take our part in bearing it. To follow Jesus is to tell the truth, even when, like the disciples, we don't want to hear it. Terror happens. The grave is real. There is a virus that is killing millions of people. One day, you and I will die. Faith in Jesus doesn't deny these things because God does not deny them. Friends, God is not a genie in a bottle. God is a man on a cross. It's often pointed out in Mark's gospel, that, that in Mark's gospel, which opens with this phrase, 
the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's often pointed out that in Mark, it's not until Jesus has died on the cross that any character in the story recognizes this. As it happens, it's a soldier at the foot of the cross, the first to say, truly, truly this man was God's son. Jesus is explicitly recognized in Mark for who he is, not in his teaching, not in his healing, but when he is suffering, when he is dying. For Jesus, faith is born from that darkness, is born from that grave. Faith is, I can't prove it, but I believe. This faith doesn't have to be scared of doubt, because doubt, like darkness, like death, can be the seedbed of faith. Rock bottom, it turns out, has a little soil after all. The Son of Man must undergo great suffering, Jesus says, and be rejected and be killed, and after three days, rise again. It's from the grave that Jesus arises. It's from the rubble, from the cross, that new life comes. In the end, we will not find our faith in false claims of certainty or in platitudes. For what can platitudes do at the foot of a cross or at the smoking grave of thousands of people in Lower Manhattan? In the end, we will find our faith on that cross in that grave, in the words of the one who said that he would suffer and die, but the one who also said that after three days he would rise again. In the end, we will find our faith, not in some distant God who watches our world crumble from afar, but in a God who, like a firefighter, running into a burning tower, came near us to share our grief, to share our cross, to share our death, even. And by doing so, against all the odds, to transform it into in front of our eyes, to transform it into life, into everlasting life. I can't prove it, but I believe in a world where this is so. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.